from the campus of Stanford University and on location. This is the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast, featuring in-depth, one-on-one interviews with purpose-driven entrepreneurs and high-performance game changers committed to extraordinary ideas, preeminence, and multi-generational success. Our radio show and podcast illuminates the struggles, breakthroughs, and exceptional outcomes these game changers bring to industries, organizations, and lives. Hosted by Tom Dioro, principal of Podfather Media. Thank you, Tatum. For our guest today, let's welcome Kaveh Katablu, co-CEO of Stillwater Dwellings. Stillwater Dwellings has been creating high-end modern homes and their... Uh, Their design heritage is grounded in aesthetics of the modern architecture. Their homes also uh, seamlessly blend indoor and outdoor living with generous use of glass, high ceilings, and architectural detailing that provide volume and dramatic spaces. Their homes uh, are quite remarkable in my uh, strong opinion. For more information, you can feel free to visit to uh, stillwaterdwellings.com. Again, that's stillwaterdwellings.com. Hello, Kavev. Thank you so much for being on uh, our show today. We're really happy to uh, to have you on here. Really, thank you very much, Tom. Um, but it's a pleasure to be here. You know, I, I, as I said before, just before we got on the show, is it's interesting. Is I saw in the back, what type of chair is that? It's a gaming chair. Uh, I suppose okay. it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a gamer. But I don't have time for games, but I found this chair to be as comfortable as possible at the office. I have a standing oh, how's that work for desk, you? and I'm pretty. Yeah, it's excellent. You know, I I stand eight nine hours a day, and it's a lot more comfortable than sitting down. But home offices, it's the setup is not there yet. Even though we've been at home for a good four or five months since the COVID nineteen, so I found this chair to be the best one. But eventually, I'm going to switch back to the standing desk. I I don't like to yeah. sit down much. I get well, bored you know, it's interesting <laughs> segues because for your company, it's I think it's remarkable. I love the work that you guys are doing. And what was the inspiration for? for you to to do you know what it is that you're doing well you know i was born to a family of architecture so good architecture has been something that that i was raised with and it is something that i always thought lacks the the advancement and innovations compared to other industries much like you i've always been trying to find build a better mousetrap and Innovation in housing comes at a very slow pace. I was exposed to prefabricated housing at a very young age, and I thought, well, this is this makes a lot more sense. So as soon as I had started my professional career, instead of taking the traditional route of fee-based architecture and a custom design built and on-site stick building, I thought, well, I should go and explore the prefabrication industry. And in late nineties, and you know middle 90s, if you will, or there was few companies that did this. And some of them had innovative designs, but I thought we could still push the boundaries of quality design and bring it into prefabrication. And uh, when I had a chance to have my own company with my business partner, John Morgan, well, it was just the opportunity for me to to explore that thought. And so far, it's just been absolutely remarkable. Yeah. Well, as I said, and I'm going to keep saying on the show, I'm just amazed at at, um, what you guys are doing is do you see spaces when you go into a community and see the the on-site built and say, "Oh my goodness, I wish we were uh, we would have been able to talk with these people before they went ahead with this because you can see if not experience their frustration in the traditional process." Oh, absolutely. It's always a preconceived notion when people think that prefabrication has limited design capability. 
and you are limited by the fabrication system. Well, the actual, in reality, that's not true. There are different types of prefabrication that allows good architects to be able to still uh, feed their creative side and not limited by dimensionality or the lack of creativity of the prefabrication. So when I go to different spaces, I do feel that, wow, this could have been prefabricated and save a ton on on raw material resources and sort of uh, preserve that embodied energy that is required to build this structure. And in, in Europe, for example, when you look at it, prefabrication is a lot more advanced than it is in the United States, unfortunately. And they're a lot more open to innovation in, in housing. In U.S., we're still grounded to the traditional ways of building a house or a structure. And uh, part of the, the battle that prefab companies face on a daily basis is this traditional mentality that the builders as well as the consumers yeah, have. Yeah, you know, now there's a, uh, a price difference. Uh, but again, my opinion, this is, people will really be upset, but I, I think it actually, maybe you ought to charge more only because there's a convenience factor and a, a lack of uh, headaches to make it simplistic. Yeah. Share with us, you know, the, the difference in pricing from your experience. If it's, it's, if it's enormous, if it's less, it's more, um, whatever you're at liberty to share. Well, on the surface, when somebody asks about the cost of the Stillwater home, appears to be on the higher end of the spectrum, and it is. However, when they actually investigate a little bit more and do an apples-to-apples comparisons, they realize there is a good 25-30% savings in cost. Just like any other industry, the prefab has a different layers of quality. We have the basics and the low-end, mid-range, and then we are on the higher end of it. And that was something intentionally explored by my business partner and I and our entire company to kind of uh, live in that higher end sector and be able to offer the best quality prefab available on the market. Because there are folks who want to spend you know, a few million dollars on a house and they like to have it prefabricated because they believe in the green and the environmentally sensitive nature of the prefab. But historically, it's never been a good option for them. They always looked at the prefab and, and they said, all right, well, they have to be a reduction in quality. But the, the reality is you don't have to. So there is a savings. There's a considerable amount of savings with doing the prefab in our industry, whether it's a higher end still water or the lower end. How about even the time? How, how's the time factor? In? That's where you experience usually a, a, an appreciable savings. The most of, depending on the type of prefabrication, whether it's panelized or modular, there's a considerable savings in time, which translates into dollar and translates into resources. And there are multiple tasks that can be done in parallel from the time you get a building permit. The contractor will start on the site work with excavation and foundation, and our factory is busy producing the components for the house. That overlap is obviously the initial savings. And then when the components arrive on the job site, the assembly of the house takes place in a matter of weeks instead of months. And then from that point on, there is a little bit of traditional mechanical and finishes are done. But the house, instead of taking a year and a half to complete or two years to complete, it generally happens less than a year, in some cases, six to eight months, depending on the complexity or simplicity of the design. So less than one year. Can you share with us, uh, without naming names if you don't, uh, if you don't want to, yeah. people who've actually had on-site built and then uh, still water, and they're able to describe and, and express the difference in the experience? Yes, actually, one of our clients who, this is the 
quotes it on, um, it's on our website. They, they built a house in Santa Ynez, California. The day they contacted us was the day that the owner had decided to move away from their traditional project. It was designed by a famous architect in Los Angeles, and they had spent, according to them, about two years into just the design development process, let alone the construction part. And at the end of the day, she mentioned the house was coming in close to $1,000 a square foot. And um, they hadn't even gotten their approval yet. They spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in architect's fees with no end in sight. And, and she contacted me on the day that she decided to explore other options. And recognizing the urgency and their need, I just got on a plane and flew down and sat down across the table the next week. We planned the entire design. And within a few months, we were under construction, and shortly after the house was done, and her quote was, this process from the day she met me until they moved in went without a hiccup, without a glitch, without anything, and in about a little over a year, the house was completed, designed in the county of Santa Barbara, which is incredibly difficult to get a building permit. And that's another myth about prefab or design, where the companies have a difficult time getting approval in, in difficult counties in the United States. Well, the truth is, professional architects that we have on staff, they're well-versed in different regulations and jurisdictional codes and requirements, and they're able to interact with, with these counties early in the process and be able to get a building permit of, you know, within little or no time. What's it like for the neighborhood when uh, they get to see that uh, they won't be hearing banging and uh, seeing construction materials all over their property? Or not on our property, but at least in and around their neighborhood. Yeah. How, how is that response? I don't know if you've ever, um, you know, taken a tally, but of the neighborhood. But I would think it would be uh, pretty impressed, impressive. Yeah, I've, I've never really gotten the feedback on the lack of noise pollution uh, on the construction. We always get a feedback where they drive by and take photos because of the aesthetic and the design of the house. I think we're we're more famous on on the way our houses look in any certain neighborhoods than the lack of design. But uh, that's something I should, you know, probably pay attention to. No, I like that. No <laughs> limit capabilities. So really, is it really up to the imagination of the architect or the client themselves to say, here's what we're kind of looking at, and you're willing to do it as a, uh, yeah. a, a unique custom project? Yes, we can do that. However, good prefab companies know what they're good at and what they're not good at. So... Um, when the term prefab these days is being used interchangeably with you know factory house and modular and so forth, what I like to refer to this industry or what still what it does is a system built process. So in order to incorporate efficiencies into their into the project, we have certain styles that we we design and certain construction details that we incorporate into the design of our homes. And repeating those details is where the efficiency comes from. As you have seen from our website, we specialize in mid-century modern butterfly roof system as well as a very contemporary connection series that we recently introduced to the market. It's true that we can do a Tudor or a Colonial or anything else, but because we don't have a library of details for those designs, we have to recreate that, which will unfortunately increase the design fees. There are some companies in the industry that specialize in that style of architecture, so my advice to clients is, you know, find a company that matches your personal taste and design and then work with them in designing a house that you like. It's very difficult for that company to change what they do and uh, create a different style because they have to develop a whole new series of details and the efficiency of the system essentially is diminished. This is excellent. 
You're listening to the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast on KZSU, Stanford 90.1 FM. We're talking today with uh, Kave Katablu, co-CEO of Stillwater Dwellings. For more information, feel free to visit stillwaterdwellings.com. Again, stillwaterdwellings.com. Kave, go back to the, um, you're from a family of architects and designers. So really, this is just in your DNA to to always find a better, more aesthetically pleasing way. Is that true or uh, okay? That's pretty much it. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I remember um, being on job sites when I was four years old with my father, and he was pointing me good designs and bad designs and negative space and how their spaces need to change. So it is just a conversation that I've had in a very, very young age. And then working for my father, you know, in his drafting room, and then you know, studying structural engineering, and then being in this industry, you develop an eye for it, you develop an understanding for it, and you, at the end, you develop an appreciation for good design and how it impacts the client's life. I mean, at the end, it's all about the lifestyle of how these homes affect the the daily life of our clients. I mean, I, mean, I can't imagine anything more important than, than a good design in someone's life. I mean, look at products that are available on the market. I mean, Apple computers, I mean, one of the biggest claim to fame is their design. I mean, what Ivy did with the, with the products in Apple really brought just good design to an electronic firm. And that's why we just enjoy whole, holding an Apple product in our hand is, is because of the design of it. And everything else in the industry, in my mind, you know, once you incorporate a design into it, it just, it flourishes and, and, and people enjoy it. Do any it. clients ever come to you saying, look, I want a, I want a home and I like the homes that I've seen that you've done, but you know, what would you suggest? And if, do they ever leave it up to you to go, you know, what would you suggest based on the way we live? Yes, absolutely. One of the, the first couple of sessions that we spend with a client is about their lifestyle. What time do they get up on the weekends? And do they get up at the same time? How many people do they entertain? You know, what kind of dinner sessions they have? Everything about their life matters. Uh, I mean, I've had clients, I remember designing a house in Oregon where they would wake up, uh, the husband would wake up at 5 a.m. and the wife would wake up at 9 a.m. And the biggest you know, problem in their marriage was the sound of coffee grinding every morning at 5 a.m. that would just drove them nuts. And, you know, when I ask them at the beginning is a question I always ask is, how do you define success? I always ask my clients that one question before we go, you know, two years down the road, you're looking back, how do you define success? She said, as long as I don't hear coffee being grinded every morning, <laughs> you know, I'm happy with that. They didn't care about the kitchen sink or the bathrooms or fixtures or anything like that. They just wanted to have some peace and quiet. Well, it was quite obvious I couldn't put the massive bedroom next to the kitchen because it would be a lifetime of frustration and divorce would leave. <laughs> things like that. You'll be surprised how small, minute things drive a good design and uh, you customize that, that home. Yeah, so it sounds like you're actually, I know you, you've got the uh, design for the homes, but it sounds like you're actually looking for the people first. If I'm wrong, tell me. But Oh, yeah. It's a certain um, type of client that understands that you know they are part of the team to build this i mean there are three three entities you know the, the local contractor stillwater and the and the owner and the team concept of three of us working together to make this project successful it leads to a successful project you know and very early on you kind of realize you know 
what the client's expectation and perception of this process is. And you try to accommodate them as much as possible and then work with them and in, in getting their dream home. But yeah, knowing the client, you know, making sure there's a good match between what we deliver and what they want is really a key thing. There's, there's no reason to go down a path if we know that we can't deliver what they're looking for. It just turns into disaster and everybody's unhappy and life's too short to, to do an unhappy project just for, I don't know why. Some companies do. Which is yeah. So, do you know early on whether or not this could be a successful relationship for the duration of the project? Re- fairly right. Yeah, pretty much so. You know, it's it's not that complicated. You you talk the clients. You know, talk to us, and we try to find out if we are a good match for them or not. And the project will just take its natural path, going down the construction or just you know shake hands and nice to meet you. Wonderful <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah, it it happens. It's not that complicated. You just yeah. get a feel for. Now, how many? If you're at liberty to share with us, you know, clients do you work with, or your, or your, what's your capacity to work with a set? Well, generally, at any given time, we have about fifty active projects in the company in various stages. So, some are in the early stages of construction, some in engineering phase, and some under construction. So, generally, the 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 projects move through a very predetermined path to, to, to completion. One of the items that I was really keen on improving is the process of building. In addition to the prefabrication process, the design pricing engineering of a custom home was always clunky. It was this vicious circle of design pricing, redesign value engineering pricing that kind of never ended and frustrated the customers. Well, I thought... Well, if you do perpetual estimating and if you do do very good estimating at the beginning of the process before you start, you can eliminate a lot of that value engineering nonsense that goes on with projects. You just have to be educated about what you do and you take the first step correctly and you educate the customer about the consequence of their decisions. You know, if if the budget doesn't support a $50,000 radiant heat and the client wants a radiant heat, you have to explain exactly how that decision is going to impact the project. So when you go down you know, and get a building permit and reprice the house, all of a sudden you don't blow the client's budget out of the water because that's a waste of our resources, it's a waste of client's investment, and both are quite precious. So education is important, information is quite inform- important, and perpetual estimating and rechecking and double-checking your efforts is always helpful. Now, go back to the uh, the permitting process in uh, the cities, and, cities yep. and counties that are familiar with what the, the work that you do. What's how's that process been compared to say an on-site the traditional built homes for you? We have not had any difficulty even in the most restrictive cities or counties. The type of prefabrication that we do is is a precision panelized as opposed to modular. Originally we started with the modular construction, but we quickly realized in order to be able to deliver the designs that we're looking for, we have to switch to something that's a little bit more accommodating and flexible. And the nature of the the type of prefabrication it just allows the building departments to review our details a lot more closely. And uh, they just treat us just like a regular stick-built house as far as the drawings. The cleanliness and the amount of information that we have on our, in our drawings is, is closer to a commercial-grade set of drawings as opposed to a typical house-grade. So the counties actually have a wealth of information at their disposal to analyze. And in, in such situations, they, they approve our pro- projects quite easily. And, Obviously, California is one of the more difficult places to build, especially some jurisdictions, and that's our biggest market. 90% of our projects are right now in California, especially very difficult. 
counties and ages. Excellent. You're listening to the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast on KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. Our public service announcement today is the ALS Association. I'll tell you a little bit about the association. Established in 1985, the ALS Association is the only national nonprofit organization fighting ALS on every front. They uh, lead the way in global research, providing assistance for people with ALS through a nationwide network of chapters, coordinating multidisciplinary care through certified clinical care centers and fostering government partnerships. The association uh, builds hope and enhances the quality of life while aggressively searching for new treatments and a cure. For more information, go to als.org. Again, that's als.org. We're talking today with uh, Kave Katablu, co-CEO of Stillwater Dwellings. For more information, feel free to visit stillwaterdwellings.com. Again, stillwaterdwellings.com. I want to touch back again to the, I like that no limited uh, in your, in the capabilities, although you have a library of, of specific types of homes that you're really, really, uh, yeah. really good at, prefer to build or you're, you're, you're working with. Does each project also lend for kind of like new learning for another perspective project, whether it's new design or a new process in your uh, manufacturing? Yes, it does. And I think one of the biggest resources that we have at our company are our owners. Over the past decade, we have been fortunate enough to attract the clients with a, with a design eye. They understand design very well, and they are the ones that actually help us push the limit of what we deliver. And uh, it is through these clients that we've been able to expand our offerings and improve the company, improve what we do. I remember... Um, <laughs> I um, had a client who studied architecture at Harvard and uh, eventually became an eye surgeon in, in Stanford, as a matter of fact. He is a doctor there. And uh, he wanted to include 32-foot-wide sliding glass door into their home in California. Well, that opening, especially within a glass wall, it's not the easiest thing to do in an earthquake-prone California, right? Especially for you know, supposedly a prefab company. But it was through their not only insistence, but desire, we were able to find a solution to something as beautiful as that, where, you know, you open the, you know, 90% of the wall for the living room just completely disappears. And it was relatively easy for us to be able to design these things. So yes, we do improve our process, we do improve our details. And, you know, and it's based on what the client's wish list, the site requirements are. So at every given day, we have a process improvement department actually at our company. We have quarterly meetings about how to make ourselves better. Some of it is driven by the client. Some of it is driven by the, the marketplace. And uh, you just have to try to be stay ahead of the market and be innovative. Otherwise, you just you'd be stagnant and, and old. Can you again share with us the, the design eye that a lot of that seems like a th- common thread for all your clients that they all have a certain uh, a design sensibility. They do. That's just absolutely amazing. I've had clients who are architects. I've had clients who are closet architects, you know. But, you know, I think everybody wants to have it. I get drawings from them in the middle of the night or their interior designers or their parents were architects. It just it's fascinating that how educated our clients are in the design field and how much they appreciate good design. 
I, I don't have to explain, you know, to them as much as I thought I would. You know, in the past 10 years, I've, I've had a relatively easy communication with our clients. They're, they're, um, I don't know if it's because they appreciate the good design when they see it and they get attracted to it. They see one of our photographs and they know the hard work that goes into developing it and they know how those spaces and adjacencies of the spaces will improve lives. But, uh, you know, a, a lot of them do appreciate it. And they actually do take guidance from us as well. They come to us and when there's something that comes in contradictory or I see as a problem, I do bring it up. I'm like, this is not a good design. I, you know, you should not have this in your house. And they're okay with it. They're, they they appreciate it and they thank us and we find a different solution for them as we move forward. Yeah, that's that's something that, uh, you know, it's just, it, it's fascinating. They all have this appreciation for a good design and they know how to recognize me. Yeah, no, the to be onset of the uh, of Stillwater, that doesn't sound like that was. We're going for exactly what it is now. You are experiencing on, of course, you like to, but it sounds like it that some somewhat evolved. Is that correct? That that you realized that? No, actually, the the onset of uh, Stillwater design was always at the forefront of everything that we do, and then fabrication took a secondary step. So it was really, it did not really evolve into a design-centric prefab company. It was always set up as that. And uh, we just sort of, you know, made it better and better and better and expanded it. And we changed fabrication systems to accommodate that. I, I believe, my personal belief is nobody's going to buy an ugly house, even if it is prefabricated. It's just not going to happen, you know. If you don't have a good design, people don't buy houses because it's prefab. And they're like, you know, you always look at it like, oh, you know, this is a good, I mean, it, people have different, obviously, appreciation of design and they have different tastes. And I can appreciate that. But the first thing that attracts everybody to everything is if it looks good. And then they explore the secondary thing. So you have to have that at the forefront, in my opinion. What uh, would you like to share with your audience today, Kaveh, that, that we may not have talked about uh, on your show? One of the things that I've seen in my career, and, and although it's moving at a, at a slower pace, is, is the evolution of the, the marketplace toward accepting quality prefab as a solution for the home. And um, I remember 20, somewhat 30 years ago, when I would talk to the clients, uh, the, the conversation was more about, you know, why prefab? I had to explain the advantages and so forth. And, and recently, that, that it seems like that question has been answered, and, and the question is now, which prefab? You know, people don't struggle with that concept anymore, or at least in certain marketplaces where you know, the, the progressive thinking does exist and people accepting new ideas. There, there's still parts of, of the marketplace that are entrenched in the way we've always done it that way sort of thing, and they, they don't want to accept new ways of doing it. But the, the fact of the matter is, I mean, the, the prefabrication offers a, a much better environmentally sensitive approach to building. I mean, in our factory, for example, in Reno, Nevada, we, we virtually frame every house before we cut a single piece of lumber. The entire project is framed virtually. All the two by sixes, two by fours, jack studs, headers, two columns, posts, everything is designed and we know where this is going to go. We upload this program into um, a computer-controlled saw, which optimizes the production of this. And we play different scenarios. If you put, you know, 14-foot lens 2x6s versus 12-foot lens 2x6 or 8-foot, 
what is our waste factor? We're trying to get that waste factor down to, roughly now we're operating at one and a quarter to one and a half percent waste. You compare that to a traditional construction of 15 to 20 percent waste, just imagine how many forests and trees we're able to save if, if every house is built with, with that you know, 15-fold reduction in waste in the United States. And this acceptance of this, this efficiency of the prefabrication is what I think the audience can accept and embrace. And that's going to help, you know, help us extend our resources because right now the way that the market, the way I see it is the demand and, and access to our resources are such that replenishing these resources eventually are not going to be enough for us to utilize them. So we have to slow down this, this consumption of our natural resources as much as possible to allow the replenishment to catch up with. Kevin, it's been a real honor and pleasure having you on, uh, on the show today. Thank you very, very much. It's, uh, it's great. Thank you very much, Tom. I really enjoyed this time. I appreciate it. And I wish the best to you and everybody listening to this program. Thank you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast. Our guest today has been Keve Katablu, co-CEO of Stillwater Dwellings. Stillwater Dwellings has been creating high-end modern homes and their design heritage is grounded in the aesthetics of the modern architecture. Their homes um, seamlessly blend indoor and outdoor living with generous use of glass, high ceilings, and architectural detailings to provide volume and dramatic spaces. For more information, feel free to visit stillwaterdwellings.com. Again, stillwaterdwellings.com. Join us again next time when we welcome another purpose-driven entrepreneur or high-performing game changer committed to ideas, positive outcomes, and a better world. I'm Tom Dioro. The Entrepreneur's radio show and podcast is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Palo Alto, California, and on location. The Chief Audio Engineer is Eris Chikopoulos. Chief Engineer is Mark Lawrence, and we are all assisted by Peter Caroline and Omar L. Sabrao. And the executive producer and host of The Entrepreneur's Show is Tom Dior. If you wish to contact us, our email is interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. Again, that's interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. Thank you.